1: This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on v the Sports Betting Network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, Scott Seidenberg here with The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network. We are closer and closer now to week 18 of the NFL season and next Monday, the college football playoff national championship game so much to look forward to I just absolutely can't wait personally for Friday or Saturday depending on when the sports books open up the prop market because I'm gonna be all in I'm gonna be all in on the prop market because we have players with Contract incentives, bonuses that they get hit if they reach certain stats, and also statistical milestones that players can hit to break some records. Yes, we know about Cooper Cup, but there's so many other players that have things on the line here in Week 18. Also, the playoff scenario is just so incredibly juicy. I have gotten an entire chart of all of the possible playoff scenarios in week 18. And it's absolutely crazy because there is a way, like I I didn't think about it, but as I do see this chart, there is a way, for instance, that the Las Vegas Raiders could end up with the five seed in the AFC. Same thing with the Chargers. But, like, for the Raiders, how, how crazy would that be? A team that's not in, in the playoff picture right now. They could end up with the five. And, yeah, you have it right there. The playoff seed possibilities for all of the teams. I can give you all of the scenarios. But I thought it was crazy when I looked and saw that there is a possibility that the Raiders could get the five seed and a possibility that New England could can drop down, which is just mind-boggling to see, uh, you know, how that could be the case. And Buffalo, Buffalo could drop down, believe it or not. They could end up with the seventh seed. And right now, they're the three seed in the playoff picture. So it's very interesting to see what's going to go down here in Week 18. I do think that there are some numbers on this board when you look at the lines for Week 18 and trying to figure out where you could take advantage of – the teams that need results, versus the teams that you know are playing meaningless games. I don't know if I'm gonna be interested, to be honest with you, in playing any team that's in a meaningless game. Like, I'd rather just stick to the teams that I know will be playing hard and will be playing for something. Uh, teams that absolutely need wins to make things happen. Um, you know, a team like, uh, I'm looking at the the, the Patriots, even though they have a bad history playing in Miami, Pats need this game badly. And I might tease them down from six and a half to a pick em. Same thing with the Cardinals. Need this game badly. So I, I think there's definitely some interesting numbers on this board. The 49ers-Rams game by far is the most uh, intriguing one because it's it's the closest spread, but it's the game where both teams have something on the line. The 49ers need to win to get into the playoffs. The Rams need to win to secure the division. There's also the possibility that even if the 49ers lose, that they could still end up in the playoffs. So it's not the only way that that happens is if the 49ers lose, they can still make the playoffs If New Orleans loses, obviously, and Philadelphia defeats Dallas. And there you have it. San Francisco will end up with the seventh seed with a loss. Actually, San Francisco will end up with the sixth seed if they lose and New Orleans loses. So, and Dallas beats Philadelphia. Then you're looking at uh, San Francisco getting into the playoffs even with a loss. So they're going to be rooting for Atlanta um, at the same time when they're trying to beat the Rams to get into the playoffs. Uh, Obviously, a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of pressure on this 49ers team, and just pressure all around here with Week 18 in the NFL. Again, the prop market is something that I'm going to be jumping in on um, for sure once those open up. And we can continue to go over the list of all the, the, te- the players that need to accomplish things here in week 18. And we can do that throughout the program. A uh, story that, I, that caught a lot of steam this week and even more so on this Wednesday was the whole Aaron Rodgers-Hubarkus thing. Where Hubarkus said that he's not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers to be the most valuable player And Rodgers responds by calling Hub Arkish a jerk and he's a bad guy and all that stuff. Um, Called him a bum. And (laughs) you know what? There's a lot of people who feel very strongly about Aaron Rodgers but have not said anything. So if you want to give Hub Arkish credit for something is that he spoke his mind. Uh, Then there's also people who, are very, uh, are very against um, the idea that you could vote against somebody just because of personal feelings. That's how I feel. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But this is not a new concept. And it's something that I think maybe is, it might be new to football, but... This has happened in the past. I mean, with Major League Baseball, there's guys that never got into the Hall of Fame when they deserved to get into the Hall of Fame because they were bad guys. Like, they were, and I'm not saying, like, bad people. I'm just saying they were jerks to the media. And so the writers who vote for these things would use their vote as their voice and to say... You weren't nice to me. I'm not going to be nice to you. It's happened. It's not a new concept. And for Hub Arcus to say, I'm not voting for Aaron Rodgers to, to be the MVP because I don't like him. It's, it's a little different because it's not like a personal relationship there because he doesn't really know Aaron Rodgers from a hole in the wall. But I think it's ridiculous because... It's the most valuable player award. It's an incredible honor, and it's awarded to the player that it's technically the most, you know, not technically, but it's really the most outstanding player, not most valuable player. Because there are players that you would say are valuable, but not don't have the numbers. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers is the most valuable player in the NFL, both in terms of value and outstanding. He's got the numbers to back it up. And when you take him away from the Packers, they are clearly not the same team as evidenced by the Jordan Love game. I don't know how anybody could just use their personal opinions about a player to not vote for them to win an award. I think it's a joke. I think it's ridiculous. And whenever somebody brought up that possibility when discussing a future. And it's been brought up on this network a lot. And there are guys that that thought that yes that the Aaron Rodgers the, the, the fact that he has rubbed people the wrong way, the, the PR hit, it's going to take away votes. I didn't necessarily agree because I think it's a ridiculous concept that there's a writer out there that would believe that they are self-righteous or whatnot that they're going to use that vote as a way to make a statement about somebody else. I you say what you will, you don't have to like Aaron Rodgers. You don't have to shake his hand. But you can't deny what happened on the field. You know, it's it's like everything that went down with Reggie Bush or with anybody in college football that has had wins vacated or awards vacated. Can't tell me that didn't happen. Yeah, I know. People are bad people. Yeah, I know. Listen, OJ Simpson, bad guy. But you're not going to deny the type of football player he was, right? Those things happened. You can separate the player from the person. We do it all the time as sports fans. There are people that you root for as a sports fan. That are bad guys. Or bad women. You never know. They do bad things. It doesn't change. What they've accomplished as a player. So you don't like Aaron Rodgers. You think he's a jerk. You think he's a, a smart aleck. And you think that. His stance on COVID. And vaccines or whatnot Is absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Does that take away from the touchdowns that he threw? The few interceptions that he threw? The wins that he accomplished as a player for the Green Bay Packers? Absolutely not. So some people might look at the Hub situation and say, you know what? He's not going to be the only one that thinks this way. And maybe I'll put some money on Tom Brady to win the MVP because I think that he's not alone. And there will be other writers that will join him in not voting for Aaron Rodgers because of this. No, I think quite the opposite. I think the public scene that this has now made even further solidifies Aaron Rodgers' victory as the most valuable player. Now, I'm not going to minus 400. It's like doesn't make sense to place the bet, but he's winning this award. We'll continue the football discussion coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's This is The Look Ahead here on VSin the sports betting network.
2: Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is The Look Ahead on vSEN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. To this segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zinn. So, head on over to Zin.com slash find to locate a story or you. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you, the look ahead here on VSIN, Sports Betting Network. Let's go over the list of the player props and milestones or, you know, incentives, contract incentives, and statistical milestones that will be needed here in week 18 so that when the prop market opens up, we can make a list here of the ones that we will like to play. We'll start with the milestones. There are records that can be broken this weekend. Cooper Cup is the one that everyone's talking about. He needs 12, excuse me, 12 catches to break the single season record for most receptions. 12 catches. Now, Cup is interesting because like he's not going to not try and get the record. And his teammates are going to want him to get the record. But he did come out this week and say that it should be a different record because it's 17 games, not 16 games. But anyway, uh, the Rams need a victory, and Cooper Cup's their best player. So they're going to feed him the football, obviously. And I do think, more so than the yardage, I think Cup gets these 12 catches because... I think Stafford's going to throw to him, and I think that there's going to be a couple of short wide receiver screen type passes that will get him to rack up the receptions rather than, you know, deep passes or things like that. But anyway, 12 catches, he will break the single season record for receptions. He needs 136 yards to break the single season receiving yardage record. Um, it's a lot. Cup is averaging 114.3 yards per game. In his last game against the 49ers. Cooper Cup had 11 catches. For 122 yards. So he needs 12 and 136. That's not far off. From where he needs to be. Again. He needs 13 excuse me, 12 and 136. Last time he had 11 for 122. Those are your uh, Cooper Cups records that he's chasing. Uh, other records that can be set here. Kyle Pitts, uh, excuse me, 59 receiving yards for the single season rookie tight end record. Um, Mike Ditka set that record back in 1961. Um, interesting, again, I, don't, I didn't even see, because I know he was banged up, but is he dealing with, is he going to play? Um, hmm. He's got a hamstring, but it didn't I didn't even see any update on his availability. It says that he was not at practice to start practice on Wednesday. So monitor Kyle Pitts' status, but with only 59 yards needed, To set the rookie record for yardage for a tight end. Uh, I think he plays in this game. Speaking of tight ends. Mark Andrews needs 141 yards. To set the single season record as a tight end. He's been hot lately. 465 receiving yards in his last four games. 141 is a lot. But maybe... They they feed him here a game that they must have. They also need help. But maybe they feed Andrews 141. It's going to be a long shot, but it's a possibility. And it's why I kind of like the over on his yardage prop here on Sunday. It's the same thing with Kyle Pitts, depending on what that number is. And uh, with Cooper Cup, both receptions and yardage Uh, Tom Brady. If he has a monster game, like a Joe Burrow type game that he over the past couple of weeks, Brady can set the single season passing record. He needs four hundred and eighty-eight yards. That's a long shot. But if Brady wanted to surpass Peyton Manning and become the single season leader, leader, I wouldn't put it past him to just have a couple of bomb touchdowns. And Mike Evans could help him out and he could help Mike Evans out. Evans needs 54 receiving yards to have his eighth straight thousand yard season, and that would extend a record that he actually set last year by becoming the only player to start their career with seven consecutive thousand yard seasons. So he would then extend his record to eight straight thousand yard seasons. As far as the contract incentives, let's stay with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Rob Gronkowski needs seven catches. To get $500,000. He's at 48. He needs 55. This is where Brady's going to hook him up. Brady's going to get him those seven catches. At least he's going to try to. He also needs 85 yards to earn another 500K. I think he gets this as well. So when the prop market comes out. Take a look at the over for Gronk catches and the over for Gronk yards. Uh, Gronk needs three touchdowns to get another bonus. That one a little bit of a long shot, but hey, you never know. In fact, I would play uh, a little prop on Gronk to score three touchdowns. You probably get like, oof, it's got to be plus, uh, it's got to be plus 1,200, something like that, plus 1,600 maybe. Gronk to have three touchdowns. Might even be higher. Uh, Stefan Diggs for Buffalo. Diggs needs six catches to earn $1.55 million. You don't think he's uh, talking to uh, Josh Allen about this? Diggs has 94 catches. He gets additions to his base salary if he gets to 100 catches on the year. Plus, the Bills need to win to lock up the AFC East. So, I look for Diggs to get seven catches. When his prop opens up, anything under seven, just bet the over there. And then there's uh, AJ Green for the Cardinals. He needs 10 catches and 75 yards to earn 250 grand for each milestone. So 10 catches would get him 250, 75 yards would get him 250. He's you know the, rec- the receiving option there obviously without DeAndre Hopkins and he did surpass 75 last week so uh, I think that you can bank on A.J. Green. 10 catches, 75 yards, 10's a lot. But I would play the over on his receptions. I'd play the over on his yards. And, and here's an interesting one. Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead needs 103 total yards to earn 125,000. Uh, Burkhead, 63 touches over the past three weeks with David Johnson out with both an injury and covid so if Rex Burkhead gets 103 total yards for the Texans against the Titans, then he will earn $125,000. Um, here's a, a a fun one: Taylor Heineke needs a win and 60% of the snaps against the Giants to earn $125,000. Um, Heineke is going to start, but his base salary is low, right? I think Heineke only gets like a million dollars a year. But anyway, 60% of the snaps is, that's fine. He's going to get that. He's playing every snap. Um, But the win, they need a win over the Giants, and he gets an extra $125,000. I think Washington does beat the Giants because they're just absolutely pathetic. Um, And then there's a couple of ones here like Brady can make some extra money if he's top five in passer rating, if he's top five in completion percentage, uh, Aaron Rodgers can make a couple extra bucks if he's top three in yards per attempt, uh, top three in total touchdown passes. Now, this is interesting because I don't even know if Rodgers is going to play or how much he's going to play. He says that uh, he's going to play um, in, in the final game, right? Aaron Rodgers says he's going to play. Rodgers would make, I believe it's, $100,000 if he's top three in the league in total touchdowns. He is currently tied for third with both Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. So it will be a race to see who throws more touchdowns between those three guys on Sunday for Rodgers to earn an extra $100,000. I'm Scott Sidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Speaking of Justin Herbert, he will play in the first playoff game. Yeah, Sunday night is a playoff game between the Raiders and the Chargers. Let's find out how this game is going to unfold from a Raiders perspective. Aaron Coscarelli from Raiders Game Day will join me next. Again, I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, We got a silver and black report coming up next right here on The Look Ahead on v Sport the Sports Betting Network. This is the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network.
0: VSIN has a great new offer to help make this year your
1: best betting year ever. Our all new big game, big dance special provides VSIN plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game it's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year visit slash big deal to sign up today scott seidenberg back here with you it is the look ahead here on Vsin the sports betting network the nfl postseason will begin for all intents and purposes on sunday night right here in las vegas the raiders will host the chargers with the winner getting into the playoffs and the loser uh, well bye-bye don't think there's any way for the loser to find themselves in if I can check real quick uh, don't believe that there's any way if they tie hey they both get in if the Colts lose because that would be pretty fun Uh, and I guess there is way if um, you know maybe a couple teams can get in with losses But anyway, let's find out what's going on from the Raiders' perspective. Aaron Coscarelli, host of Raiders Game Day, joins me right here on The Look Ahead. And Aaron, uh, try and sum up what this season has been like for the Raiders. Uh, Could you imagine from where this season started to where we are now that they would be in this position?
3: I mean to describe the season, I'll use the word unprecedented because the amount of roller coaster up and down, high emotion, low emotion. Your coach is there, then he's not. Then you're dealing with your injuries, and you're dealing with COVID, and then you've got to delay your game because of uh, a COVID outbreak against an opponent. You're on a losing streak, then all of a sudden you're on a winning streak. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. They could write. Um, a book just about this season alone and being inside the walls of the Raiders organization throughout this tested season and, and watching the guys have to face adversity. Honestly, um, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. I'm so fortunate. I get to work for the Silver and Black and uh, I'm so excited about this game. <laughs> this weekend
1: <laughs> well a big help for them could be coming in the form of Darren Waller uh, he rejoined them in practice or walk through I should say here on Wednesday and the thing about this team yes they've gone three and two in their last five games which has put them in this position Aaron but they've only averaged 16 points per game how much of that was because of the Waller absence
3: I mean, definitely we've missed the red zone impact of Darren Waller. He was uh, Derek Carr's number one target.
1: So do you expect Waller to play?
3: I do. Okay. I think Waller's going to play. Um, we've been trying to be very careful with him, obviously, this season. He means a lot to the organization, not just on the football field, but how he has led this team. Um you know, throughout everything that's gone on, look, let's be honest. You don't fire your coach midseason um, unless you're dealing most of the time with a really bad losing record. So we didn't have that happen. We were still, you know, we started this season five and two. We were, we were doing great. And then unfortunately some stuff came out about John Gruden, our head coach, Mark Davis does not stand for that kind of business and that kind of talk. Unfortunate as it was, um, you know, they had to let go of John Gruden and Rich Pisaccia, the interim head coach, I, I believe has done an absolute fine job at navigating what's been a challenging year. You know, and Derek Carr, every time he takes the podium, I, 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 I think he's so wonderful. He's, he's really takes accountability, but the fact that he's had to manage the adversity that he's been up against um, really says a lot about the collective energy inside the locker room
1: so how does this team match up against the Chargers the last time that they faced them in LA they lost that game Derek Carr frankly was not good Aaron in that no. performance uh, how did they change the outcome here on Sunday night
3: well look I mean here's the thing they lost 28-14 last time they played the Chargers it was on the road the Raiders are now at home They've started to sort of regain their identity again. They're run first team. We've seen Josh Jacobs. And look, I believe teams, excuse me, games are one in the trenches, right? So our defensive line showing what they were able to do against the Colts, the hottest team in the NFL at the time. um, Our defense keeps us in the game, right? And Mm -hmm. so uh, the defensive line, great. Lots of pressure. Um, attacking Carson Wentz. That's definitely what we hope to see on Sunday against Justin Herbert. But on the flip side, our offensive line, you know, we, it's no, it's, it's, it's not like a lot of people, you know, didn't expect that the Raiders were going to struggle with their retooled offensive line, right? Trent Brown went to the Patriots. We had to bring in um, a bunch of new guys and they take time to gel. Like that's what happens. And so I believe that's been part of why the run game has had moments of, Stall, if you will. Um, but getting Josh Jacobs some help with Kenyon Drake was was certainly important. Obviously, Kenyon Drake um, dealing with his own set of injuries and not available. But you know Peyton Barber, Josh Jacobs. I think right now we're seeing the team get hot just at the right time. And look, Gus Bradley. Let's not forget he knows this team very well. So I think Derek Carr showing us that, that this team can win different ways. I mean, look at Renfro. Renfro, arguably the hottest receiver right now, um, just being able to do what he does on third down. So, you know, I think that the team is, is in a really strong position to succeed. Um, and, yeah, I think that the Raiders are going to cash in on a W um, come Sunday.
1: Last week, uh, we saw Marcus Mariota carry the ball three times. He also attempted one pass. This is something that I've actually been calling for for weeks now to get yeah. him more involved in the offense. Do you expect a similar type of usage on Sunday night to have certain packages or plays designed for Marcus Mariota?
3: Wasn't it so nice to see the spark that he offered? And that's what we kind of talked about, you know, me on the postgame show with Eric Allen, My analyst and I asked him that same thing. I said, "You know, does he? What does he do for the defense that's you know going up against him?" And he does offer that sense of predictability, unpredictability that you get with a guy that can really scare you on the ground. And and yes, absolutely, we got to see Marcus Mariota make some plays happen. Went for it on fourth and one, got the conversion. And I think what else? The extension of that is you're seeing Rich Bisaccia and Greg Olson. Go for it on fourth down, something that they didn't used to do, or or at least certainly you weren't seeing quite as aggressive a play calling throughout the season. So, those two things really were pleasant to see the execution on fourth down, the going for it, they're not playing scared, they're playing aggressive, and then yeah, the intermittent use of Marcus Mariota. I think you're going to see that theme continue against this Chargers defense.
1: So you're not just taking the points. You're going with the Raiders with an outright victory against the Chargers on Sunday night.
3: We will be celebrating Victory Monday. They call it (laughs) Victory Monday throughout the building. And, yeah, I mean, look, I think that the Raiders, here's how I believe you see good play on the football field. What's the theme inside the locker room? These guys have been battle-tested. They've been battle-tested all year long. I mean, when things are stacked against them, it becomes frustrating, right? Like the Browns, right? They had the COVID outbreak. They delayed the game. We had to travel. It became a short week for us. So it's been one thing kind of after another with this team. But look, look at what they did to um, a Denver defense, right? Um, They held them to 18 rushing yards. It was a strong rushing game from the Denver Broncos. They've been able to show up when it matters most. Yes, that Chiefs game. Not ideal, but I think this team is starting to collectively gel just at the right time.
1: You know what's crazy is that there actually is a scenario that the Raiders could get the five seed in the AFC postseason, not just playing for the seven seed. There is that crazy possibility. Uh, if they, you know, obviously they're going to have to go on the road in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Are they capable of winning a game wild card weekend against either Kansas City or Buffalo, let's say, or Cincinnati.
3: Absolutely, yes, absolutely. This team is, has formed and gotten together during the hardest of times. You know, I think bringing in a a, a, a deep threat like Deshaun Jackson, having other guys show up, um, really means to me that this offense is so multi layered. I think that yeah, there's there's there's, and then what we saw against with Josh Jacobs against the Broncos mm-hmm. uh, against a really strong run D um, and then that same game, we are run defense, which I feel like for our defense has struggled this season, um, really put together a, a great showing against a really good run game.
1: Aaron, I appreciate And the, yeah. excuse
3: me, sorry, the Colts, like we were able to keep Jonathan Taylor, the hottest running back pretty much contained for the most, for most of the game. He still went over a hundred yards. In fact, that Raiders game, the first time Jonathan Taylor rushed for over 100 yards and did not win. So they won the t- Raiders won the time of possession. They've been able to string together wins that are utmost of importance, and they're doing it at the right time.
1: Aaron, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, and good luck on Sunday night.
3: Scott, thank you. See you soon.
1: There she is, Aaron Coscarelli, Raiders game day. Joining me, Scott was right here on Sin, now the Raiders currently three point dogs against the Chargers this is the look ahead on the sports betting network
0: if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me Jay Harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever I'm talking Marcus Dixon
1: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers has you covered. BetRivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Uh, Taking a look at that game a little bit further, um, with all due respect to Aaron, uh, thank you so much for joining me last segment. I I think I'm going to go with the Chargers. Um, And I think the Raiders can pull this off. So let me just start out by saying, I do believe the Raiders can pull this off because we've seen just how inconsistent the Chargers have been this year, right? It's not like they've been this dominant football team. There was a time, and I have a future ticket that's just going to lose to prove it. There was a time where the Chargers were legit Super Bowl contenders. They had a, what was their record? They were 8-5 and five with a game against the Chiefs. And that game at home, on a Thursday night, had they won that game and improved to 9-5, and five, then the following week would be against the Texans. I know they wound up losing that game, but let's just say, you know, they would have been favored, possibly win that game. You could be looking at 10-5, a win against the Broncos, 11-5. They'd be where the Kansas City Chiefs are now. And, the, and instead... They lose back-to-back games to the Chiefs and the Texans. They fall out of the playoff picture. But then a win over the Broncos, they are back in the playoff picture. And now it comes down to just this one final game here against the Raiders to get into the postseason. But at one point this season, the Chargers were everyone's darling. At the beginning of the year, when they started out 4-1, and one, it was Brandon Staley, Coach of the Year, and Chargers are going to the Super Bowl. Then they drop a couple of games in a row. They get embarrassed by the Ravens. I mean, what an ugly game. They lose a close one to the Patriots, bounce back with a win over the Eagles, then a loss to the Vikings. And it's like they're kind of back and forth on the season. And they haven't looked good at at times. So they're very inconsistent. But when this team is right, they are one of the top teams in the NFL. The problem is they're not right enough. Justin Herbert capable of putting together incredible numbers. He's got weapons on the outside in, in um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Jalen Guyton. And and he's got um, Austin Eckler and now Justin Jackson to back him up coming out of the backfield They throw to their running backs, uh, it seems like, more than anybody in the NFL. It's just incredible uh, the amount of catches that these guys have. And sometimes their defense comes through. But at other times, their defense looks terrible. And they have trouble stopping the run. And they don't get after the quarterback. They can't defend big plays. And they get scored on. And, And you saw it. You absolutely saw it. Against the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes had his way. 410 passing yards and three touchdowns in that performance. And, you know, they they chipped away with the running game. They didn't really do much, but really no answer for Travis Kelsey. No answer for Tyreek Hill. Yes, the game went into overtime, but how do you allow that Travis Kelsey touchdown in overtime? How do you allow that to happen? Not to mention the Kelsey touchdown in the final minute to tie the game. So, uh, and that was what a 75-yard drive that, that, uh, that happened. This is a team that is capable of beating anybody. But they're also capable of losing to anybody. Like the Chargers are the definition of any given Sunday. And that could be a good thing for teams at times. It could also be a very bad thing for teams at times. And I actually feel like it'll be a good thing this Sunday because I trust the Chargers more than I trust the Raiders in this game. I don't want to lay the points, though. So I'd like to play the Chargers on the on the money line to win this game because, yeah... It could be a field goal game. And it could come down to, you know, the final possession. Or dare I say, overtime. Imagine. Could you imagine? Well, first off, if the Colts lose, could you imagine if this game goes into overtime and the tie actually becomes a possibility? How ridiculous that would be if the tie becomes a possibility. If they both tie okay <laughs> they both die. if there's a tie in this game and let's say the colts um win well i guess no there's it wouldn't uh it wouldn't matter it would just be the the chargers would get in. but anyway if there's a tie they're both that's it they're both in if as long as the colts lose to jacksonville and they both tie they're both in but there's so many different scenarios as far as seeding is concerned. There's numbers for both teams. Raiders and Chargers can both be 5, 6, or 7. Depending on the outcome of this game. Um, I know that chart says Chargers 6 and 7. But I believe there are two ways the Chargers can get the 5 seed. And that would be if they win combined with a Colts loss, a Ravens win, a Jets win over the Bills and a Patriots win over the Dolphins. If those happen, the Chargers would then be your 5 seed, Buffalo would be your 6 seed and Vegas would be your 7 seed, believe it or not. There's also another way the Chargers can get the 5 seed if the Colts lose, Pittsburgh wins, the Jets win, and the Patriots win. If that happens, the Chargers are your five, Buffalo is your six, and Pittsburgh is your seven. So still scenarios for the Chargers to get the five seed. There's actually more chances that the Raiders get the five seed. The Chargers pretty much uh, are going to be either six or seven, depending on what happens In this game, a lot of opportunities for them to go to the sixth seed and uh, opportunities There's about two, only two scenarios that they get the seventh seed. The two scenarios that they get the seventh seed is if they win and Indy, Buffalo, and New England win. So if all chalk happens, they're the seventh seed. And they'll also be the seventh seed if the Jets beat Buffalo but Miami beats New England, then they would still be the seventh seed because then it would be um, Indy as the five, and then New England would be the six, and the the Chargers would be the seventh seed. Scenarios for them to get the sixth seed, there's like four or five scenarios, so that can still happen for them. So lots of seeding on the line. And yes, as I mentioned, there is a way for both the Raiders and the Chargers to get in if the... Raiders uh or if a couple of things break down, you could have both of these teams getting into the playoffs um it's very it would be very rare I'm talking about without a tie it would be very rare but if the Chargers win combined with a Jacksonville win, a Baltimore win and a Miami win, then the Chargers would be the sixth seed and the Raiders would be the seventh seed. The other scenario is if Jacksonville, Baltimore, and Buffalo win, then Chargers would be the six, Raiders would be the seven. So those are the only scenarios that the both teams get in. Obviously, it would have to start with Jacksonville upsetting the Colts, which I don't think is going to happen, even though history is on their side. And I tweeted this out yesterday. And uh, you guys can follow me at scottsonair. The Colts have not won a game in Jacksonville since 2014. September of 2014 was the last time the Colts won a game in Jacksonville. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. They have lost in Jacksonville. How crazy is that? And last year, that was the game that I think knocked everybody out of Survivor in week one of the season. When the Jaguars upset the Colts in week one. And that was their only win of the year. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.